Hello, I'm Francis Lombard, and welcome back to Portrait of an Editor. In this episode of Cropped, number 20, Will Dennis and I talk about John Byrne and Roger Stern's Captain America. We journey down memory lane and review the nine issues of Captain America that Stern and Byrne pretty much teased readers with back in 1980. We ask a lot, what if and what could have been, regarding their way-too-short run on Cap. Enjoy. So, Will, welcome to another episode of Cropped. We're going to do a, basically a run-through the Roger Stern and John Byrne, Captain America, as people nowadays know it as the collected war and remembrance basically but uh <laughs> wow. like we were doing with uh batman year one it's sort of get our geek on and review mm-hmm. but look at you know look at things differently well what we're looking at 40 years basically since right. that first published and mm-hmm. uh looking at it at, instead of a fanboy or fan i guess as uh, creators or uh, professionals i guess for lack of a better term oh <laughs> but i guess where i start is let me just start let me get this off my chest okay. i'm not a big captain america fan i have read comics my entire life spider-man I think got me going. Green Lantern was basically, I think, the, the, the thing for me. Green Lantern because of science fiction, and then Spider-Man, and then Batman, and then X-Men. So mm-hmm. the John Byrne, Chris Claremont X-Men. So hence, why was I not following Captain America? I've read the Avengers. I just never have been like a big Captain America fan. I mean, and there's some really, when I'm sort of looking back, I'm like, the creative team's on Cap. He, he's mm-hmm. not like Daredevil, where you have sort of these things that just never click until, you know, every so often you have a Wally Wood show up or Frank Miller took off, and then Frank mm-hmm. Miller has made the Daredevil, but Daredevil was never really a big seller. And the same thing with, like, with the original X-Men, even though you had mm-hmm. Stan and Jack working on it, but that series never really worked and it slowly went from monthly to bi-monthly to reprints and then of course, right. then then history was made with you know uh, the relaunch but caps never had that issue you know you had jack kirby and even steranko did a few inglehart and basema then of course mark uh, grunwald you mm-hmm. know run and the mike zek I, it was zek and somebody mm-hmm. i can't remember who the writer was maybe i think he might have worked on it with a few people and then you have roger stern and john byrne and this mm-hmm. is 1980, you know, so Byrne is st- on the X-Men still. He hasn't gone on to Fantastic Four. So um, right. wh- where's your take on Captain America? What is your, you know, for him? Was he somebody you gravitated towards? Yeah, but I don't really know why. He's sort of, he's kind of the opposite of everything I liked in superheroes, like you said. I mean, whether they were like the X-Men or Spider-Man, like those were really where I was at with stuff. He's much more always felt like a DC character to me than a Marvel character, really. Um, and anyway, particularly like even in this era, like being into kind of punk rock and anti-Reagan and coming out of the Vietnam War protests that I spent my whole childhood going to and stuff that it was just kind of like, why would I like Captain America? He's sort of such a nerdy sort of representation of all of the stuff that <clears throat> that I didn't really gotten to sort of you know all that sort of thing so yeah I, but I, I like i'm sure if i went back and looked at all the books i had i'm sure i had like huge runs of the book you know oh, maybe really? that was just buying them um 
Yeah, I mean, just even looking at these, like I can, you know, like I definitely had like all the stuff with Falcon and all those things, like you know, pre this, mm-hmm. um, and even issues where he was like, was he in like Tales of Suspense or one of those where he like split the issue with somebody else? Like he was in some of those for a while too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, even going back and looking at this, like, it's tough to make him kind of all that interesting right you know i mean they they try to add some things here with this other cast and he's like an aspiring you know like this stuff what is it like is he aspiring cartoonist i guess uh, right freelance or uh artist uh he's right a, right right a, like there's some great commercial of him carrying right, right like graphic artist <laughs> graphic artist carrying, graphic carrying artist. around his portfolio <laughs> and stuff you're just like oh my god you know worrying but, about uh, rent and everything you know yeah. Yeah, well, we yeah we can get into his Brooklyn Heights apartment that he's got, which <laughs> I know. is like unbelievable. You know, even in this era, it would have like cost him an arm and a leg. But because I just say by then, like Byrne, we were already sort of enamored of the stuff he was doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I was buying it for that. I, I didn't even buy it. I mean, I think I saw a few issues. I was into X Men at that point, definitely, yeah, because I it was sure. late getting on board. But this is towards the end of his run on X Men. So, but I was collecting it because I came on board around Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. so and monthly and made sure I was grabbing and just it was like, oh my god. So, right, right, um, sure. but I remember seeing a cover and and putting it back, mm-hmm. and I think I remember seeing Cap for President, which would have been October nineteen eighty, mm-hmm. um, with that cover and. Even though I'm like, oh my god, these guys. But I think maybe because they were maybe they had already done a couple issues. I yeah, that's like halfway through it. Yeah, like the third or fourth issue of the run. So my completest attitude, just like, well, it's too late. Uh, I just won't Mm -hmm. start. That's interesting what you're saying about a DC character because when I'm reading this, I could feel them trying to cram in sort of the Marvel way, worrying mm-hmm. about rent, the the human aspect, the very Spider-Man thing, rent, jobs, relationships, um, just everything. And even in the movies, they don't even bother. They just really go with the man out of time, and the one thing that links them is that love he lost back then. Mm-hmm. But here, he's not... You know, I guess there was an issue up at the beginning of the run. They dealt with, you know, him having these fake memories, not really knowing what his background mm-hmm. was. So I, I just felt like they were trying to make him feel like a Marvel character, even though it didn't seem natural that Captain America would worry about rent when he could just go live at Avengers <clears throat> Mansion. Right. <laughs> he could just flop at the mansion as like a... Right, because yeah, because early on in this, I think it's right away. Yeah, because they're trying to. Stern talks about it. There's an intro to the version I read, and then there's an afterwards interview with him, which I think are probably like twenty or thirty years apart. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he talks about that, like trying to give him a love interest because he never had a love interest beyond Sharon Carter, but she's dead in the timeline where this starts, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it definitely. I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely kind of you can see, as you say, like they're trying to lay over this Marvel lattice of, you know, there's a whole cast of like his neighbors and like his, you know, he's trying to get jobs and he's getting shut out for these graphic design jobs. And, you know, then he's got the starts to sort of have this adult relationship with the woman that lives down the hall from him, you know, and it's very kind of, you know. But you're trying, is he like Richard Dreyfus and like Goodbye Girl or something? Like they're trying to make him this kind of very New York, 
sort of late 70s early 80s kind of thing you know but it's just like it i don't know it's just it's kind of flat i mean yeah i haven't reread it again the funny thing is like for me it it feels so like unplanned you know like i mean and i i I don't i don't want to sound critical like i know roger stern he's like the big local celebrity in like my hometown and like i see him every year if i go to ithacon i'll see him and He's like the nicest guy, like the greatest, you know, just like loves comics and so enthusiastic. So I don't, I don't want to sound at all like I'm critical, but, and maybe it's just that time period is very, you know, they were kind of, but it just feels so like see to your pants. So, you know, like you, even if they're on the run, like, it's funny how it's just like every issue has got like two or three new villains or two or three new things. And they're layering all these characters in like, you know, it, it doesn't, it like nowadays, if you would approach like, okay, we have this big superstar artist or burgeoning superstar artist and like this writer that's getting a lot of, you know, suddenly getting a lot of attention stern. And it's just kind of like, they just jump on issue 247 and it's like, you're kind of off to the races and, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, yeah, cat pulls out in the first issue, like an Avengers ID kind of that he has to show to the guys that, shield you know who are like why are you here sort yeah, of thing exactly. and i'm like yeah why aren't you just live at the mansion and let jarvis like make you lunch and dinner every day and you can do your you know aspiring architect graphic designer whatever drawing stuff you want to do <laughs> but did you um, did you know what was going on uh, before they came in on issue so 247 they took over yeah and um i think this is before he Stern went on to Spider-Man, and I'll have to... Yeah, like, Roger Stern, uh, I mean, he is... He's the Spider-Man writer for me, basically. I read that Yeah, and I, lo- I love his stuff. Yeah, yeah. and Byrne... Byrne is just beginning. I mean, he's already plotting. He's been spending about a year, you mm-hmm. know, plotting the X-Men. I think he's written a few. Um, but he's no slacker either. Um, and then he's... No. Then he leaves this book... And he's he's already got the FF lined up. I, I was just reading something actually. He's supposed to only write the Fantastic Four, and Bill Sienkiewicz was supposed to continue with the art chores. But seriously, yeah, really, um, that is, the CBR, what is it? You know, the myth busting something. There's an, an uh, I don't know if they CB uh, comic books resources still does that, but so mm-hmm. this is the reality. So the reality was that Byrne was still on X Men. And he was gearing up to write the Fantastic Four. Sienkiewicz was going to stay on the art. But then Byrne left the X-Men, so that freed up his art chores. And, of course, Captain America, too. So he took over all the art chores, you know, on Fantastic Four. And Sienkiewicz went on to Moon Knight, which allowed him a lot more creativity, you know, to like really... You know, we all know what happened when Moon Knight once that went into the direct market, you know, that experiment of direct market only. Because remember, Moon Knight, Micronauts, and and Kazar became Mm -hmm. direct market only books. They bump, and then you could remove the comics code. So the creativity on all three of those books just took off, especially Kazar and Moon Knight. You know, Mm -hmm. the Kazar is a very underrated run i swear i mean i don't know if Mm -hmm. you know about that but i don't want to maybe we can talk about that later but that was a very interesting run and i think just going direct market enabled it to just take off for a little while too so these guys are no slackers i mean they've been at it stern was an editor and a writer for a while and 
I don't know. It just, yeah. It, yeah, no, he talks about that in his intro. That they've yeah. known each other from Charlton and other stuff. And he says in the intro that Byrne gets the job because he called him up to say he just got asked to write Captain America and wanted to talk to somebody about Captain America because he didn't really know that much about Captain America. And Byrne says immediately, oh, I, gotta, I have to draw this or something. And then they oh. start working on it. I mean, who knows if that's legit or not. But, you know, I mean, it wasn't so... Yeah, no, I mean, it's a big, it's, that's what I mean. I guess that's the thing. Like they're both sort of established or sort of like obviously the hot properties at that point, at least, you know, burn for sure was. And it's like just to jump on this book and then it's kind of, um, you know, like you, you start out with this kind of random Baron, whatever his name is. And then there's another Baron, like, you know, there's Baron blood, like three issues later. And it's kind of like, it's kind of it's just like all over the map like the whole thing you know what is it baron strucker yeah so you've got this kind of red skull mm-hmm. you know knockoff in the first bit and then they jump into all this stuff with the cap for president which is some you know goofy marketing thing or something and then but then out of nowhere then he has to go to england to deal with this baron blood and like all of his old mates from the invaders and everything which mm-hmm. you know i mean i, I don't know to me I was really shocked by how much wasn't about that. Like my recollection of it is it was like the Baron blood vampire stuff, which is, you know, to me like the best stuff in it and like the stuff that I remember it being, but even looking at the cover, looking at the title of it, I'm like, wow, what is, you know, that's only like two issues out of, I think it's what, nine issues or something total. Yeah, like a 10 um, issue, nine issue run. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're just kind of like, wow like they really cover so much ground you know but it seems like it's sort of all over the place and then it just abruptly ends and he doesn't he doesn't in either the interview or the prologue explain what happened he just there's some sort of you know due to foreseen you know unforeseen you know office politics kind of thing like it clearly was something you know, because they had, they said they had a three-issue Red Skull thing planned, mm-hmm. and then they're going to do all this other stuff with that. You know, because they basically looked like they were trying to do like a soft reboot of all of this stuff. You know, I mean, it wasn't quite the hard reboot that like, you know, Burn does like, like, you know, not long after with Fantastic Four. Yeah, but it's definitely like trying to align a lot of the, you know, sort of continuity that had gone on in the last like twenty years or something. And, um, in, yeah, so, but then I don't know, somebody, they must have just pulled the rug out from under them at some point, and they, I think, probably burned just with, like, F you, like, we're not going <laughs> to do this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of my guess, you know? I think, um, so, rereading this, and actually, this is the first time I've really sat down and read the whole run, so mm-hmm. I'm coming at it, you know, with fresh eyes going, wow, there's a lot of words. Which is great. Yeah, I mean, definitely. it's forty-year-old comic, so they're, you're Struck reading. By that. <laughs> yeah. um, the Baron Blood is when you. I said I get a feeling there's, like we were just saying at the beginning, that there's an idea of like we're owning this book now. There felt mm-hmm. like there things were clicking, where prior to that run, the Baron Blood thing, it it just seemed to be a little bit haphazard. You know, he had to remind us who Cap was, and then you have Bat Rock, 
or whatever. Yeah, and Hyde and Hyde and Bat Rock and, and this other Baron Strucker guy. They seem more actually that chemistry between those two bad guys was more interesting than Captain America. For sure. You know, um and and actually they're interesting villains, even though Hyde, I guess, I don't know, Hyde I think started out with Daredevil's villain, you know, Arch mm-hmm. you know, a villain. But it just these guys, you know, Stern and Burns seem to be having a lot more fun with those characters and not really knowing what to do with Cap. And then it seems like now we own him, he's ours, and then, of course, yeah, where's the Red Skull? Oh, we mm-hmm. now that we can sort of run it, we, you know, they seem to, like, we own Cap, now we can start doing things as his character and, and bring him up. But it seemed like the villains were always more interesting, and even the love interest seemed to get more, had more, her, she popped, you know, even yeah. right away off the page, and Captain America just didn't seem to. I don't know. It just felt like they didn't know what to do with him. Right. You know, you just like the, the suffering from superhero, you know, blandness. <laughs> yeah, and he always has been, which is like why he's sort of like much fits better into the DC <laughs> sort of vein of like, you know, these aspirational archetypal you know, kind of characters, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's why, I mean, my memory of it is the, the barren blood issues. And I think ultimately like those are the best ones because they do a much better job of dealing with the man out of time stuff, you know, like uh, those scenes where he goes back and he's meeting all the old people and they're all old, you know, like Captain Britain guys, like ancient and, you know, it's like kind of the woman that was sort of, you know, that he that spitfire stuff yeah like i mean i think that stuff is great like that stuff is really kind of poignant and kind of on the money you know and um yeah i mean those just like hold together so much so much better than some of the like i said those first four or five issues until they get to that are very kind of i don't know you know i don't know if i mean some of it and maybe they're just trying to do the kind of you know, Kirby and Lee, just like, let's just pack these issues with as much, you know, kind of random stuff as we can. And, you know, and I mean, the density of that, but, um, would you say, I mean, it's a lot of the fun of the, the stuff, but yeah. Well, I, mean, I, mean, I, I yeah. think the fight, the action is there and, you know, like, especially with Dragon Man, the action uh-huh. is great and I mean, yeah, there's nothing I mean, wrong with like, that. But like I said, yeah, I mean, you've named like four or five random like C-list villains that they pull out, you know, like in first five issues of it, like, and it doesn't seem to be building to, you know, necessarily like there's someone behind the scenes pulling the strings with all these, you know, random characters. It's like, they just appear and then they're kind of in and they're out, you know? And I I think it works out. I mean, maybe, and I guess now that I'm looking back as somebody, you know, I picked up one of the issues and put it down because I'm like, but it's a book that, anybody could have jumped on, you know, even though it's faults that we're talking about because it wasn't in like the dark Phoenix at the same time where, you know, that had been going on for what, 12 issues or something. You could just Mm -hmm. jump right in the middle and sort of get a sense of what's going on and just go along for the ride with this book. I mean, that maybe Mm -hmm. that sort of lack of focus might have actually could have benefited for you know people yeah. finding it on a spinner rack back then. Well, 40. right, and I think that's exactly what it, I'm. You know, I mean, I think you know for for long after it made sense to do it. I mean, there was this philosophy at both Marvel and DC that like every issue is somebody's first issue, right? You know, that was. I mean, you hear people saying that around the office in DC as late as like you know the 2000s, and I was 
you know, I was always like, that's idiotic. Like nobody in this day and age, nobody, that's not true. Right. No one's buying issue. You know, I mean, I remember writing the solicitation copy for a hundred bullets, number 100, the last issue and 19 in issue 99. And it literally said like, don't start here. Like not a jump, <laughs> not a jumping on point, you know, like it was just like, you know, cause it was just, it's sort of, I remember Karen being like, yeah, we're not going to, you know, that's not cool. And I was like, well, why? What's the point? No one, I don't want anyone buying issue 99 if they haven't read the first 98. Like, that's idiotic, you know? <laughs> so, you know, but that was not at all the philosophy, even as late as, you know, when they kind of closed the whole operation down. But, yeah, I mean, I'm struck by that, like how much recap there is. Mm-hmm. When you see the origin, when you read these nine issues together, I mean, they show the origin, like, three times at least and then there's like uh there's a whole issue 255 which is like the 40th anniversary or something or whatever anniversary it is of mm-hmm. the thing 40th and, yep yeah and it's a whole you know redo like they retell the whole origin the whole thing and you know connect a bunch of dots or smooth over some of the rough edges of that which i mean i couldn't tell you what those were honestly but yeah um yeah it's funny because my memory of the whole thing was that like the whole the whole crux of it was the barren blood vampire issues, but it's literally only two issues out of, it's funny how your memory is, you know, sort of so faulty in that respect, but mm-hmm. they are the two issues that even from the covers, like I could close my eyes and like probably draw you thumbnails of both of those covers, like just based on, you know, memory of 40 some year old memory and stuff. And then there's an issue, there's a page which I think is the best page, and it's maybe my favorite page of John Bernard. Literally, is the page where like Cap cuts off the Baron's head, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time, and still, and even looking at it right now, like just being struck by just how cool that page is. Like where he, you know, he chunks off the head because you got to like separate the head from the body of the vampire, and then uh, they burn him and bury him separately or whatever that sort of lore is. Yep. But it's all, and then there's the silhouette of the, there's a silhouette of the old, you know, Captain Britain watching it. And he's just like kind of appalled by the, you know, the, the, the head getting, you know, decapitating the Baron, you know, but like that's, the, I mean, I could definitely, that page has stuck with me over, you know, essentially like four decades of, I mean, think of the thousands of comics I've read in that time. And it's like I could still remember because it was just like, whoa, this is not what you see in a in a typical Marvel comic and certainly not in a Captain America comic because it's like kind of the cleanest, purest vanilla ice cream kind of comic you can imagine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so I don't know. Maybe at that point, you know, I, I, God knows, maybe at that point people were like, the Marvel powers that be were like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> Maybe that's it. I mean, yeah. um, it's. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's Union Jack, is the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, Union Jack, right. I can see the Neil Adams influence. It's cinematic. Mm-hmm. You know. The, oh yeah, that the, 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 that fifth panel that yeah. looks like a Neil Adams face, like just even the inking on it. So. Yeah, the push in. There's a push in for him to make yeah. the decision. It's like he's yeah. struggling, even though it's an un, undead character. He's struggling to like make the decision to end it. You know, yeah, to, to yeah. end end the fight, but he, you know, he knows. I mean, there's a struggle which, you know, puts him as a hero. I mean, yeah, I can see why it lingers in your, you know, your head for forty some odd years. Oh, the, the silhouette, and the silhouette, just yeah. great. I just love the doing the stuff in silhouette. And then, I, in the edition I have, though, they have a, they do a, 
at the end they have like seven or eight pages of pencils that they colored yeah. for it. Do you have that one? Yep. And they yep. show, it's like a flashback to that. So obviously it was like after the issue or whatever. And they show it and they show the, that whole sequence, but from like over Cap's shoulder essentially. Um, which is kind of it's kind of funny. It's kind of a really awkward panel, honestly. Oh, it I don't makes have like that. A, it, it makes like a weird tangent with the panel before. Oh, really? <laughs> but it's like, yeah, they somehow they colored. It's like seven or eight pages that would have been in the next issue, like leading into this Red Skull thing. Mm-hmm. So obviously something happened because they obviously they'd already even started like the next issue, yeah. and for this edition they just colored over the pencils, like kind of weirdly. But there's a there's a recap of the whole oh there whole it is okay business yeah and, and you see that shot mm-hmm. it's like oh it's sort of awkwardly like a like a butt shot of captain america and then you're like making a weird tangent into the previous panel with baron blood's leg well it looks but, like uh, it looks like the the union jack character spitfire i'm looking mm-hmm. at it it looks like these characters tag along with him yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, he's talking to them, like kind of recapping what happened while he's talking on the phone okay. to, to Bernie, the woman in New York, you know? Yeah. Like he's still in England at this point, you know? Um, and then something goes on and then it just ends. Like there's a big explosion and then it sort of, that's it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously it started in, I mean, Stern must have written the issue then, uh, the next issue, and then they pulled the plug. So, I don't know, something... <laughs> I'd have to bug Roger, like, if I see him. I'm going to Ithacon in April, so maybe maybe I'll uh, get the courage up to ask him, like, what the heck happened. <laughs> you know, it, it looks like they were going to continue with the sort of the man-out-of-time mm-hmm. kind of uh, undertones, but have these characters tagging along, like the new Union Jack and then a mm-hmm. Spitfire, and interesting. It looked like he was going to have a group of... You know, another group that, as Captain America, he pals along with, that right. know, know who he is, and they were maybe, you know, of course, then the Red Skull would bring back all that history, too, if they were going to, you know, eventually, he was going to come up. But Yeah, because it, it picks up right after this anniversary issue, which is basically yeah. like an annual, essentially, like retelling of the origin. Yeah. So, yeah, it almost feels, I don't know, it's funny, I mean, if there weren't so many issues before the Baron Blood stuff, I would say, like, that's where they wanted to start it, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. But I mean, I don't think that's probably the way they were approaching stuff in those days, but um, it feels much more like it would have made sense. If you do the two part Baron blood thing, you've got the retelling, the big anniversary origin where you reboot the origin. And then you go into like this man out of time, red skull returns sort of storyline. Like that would have been much more of a, like a cohesive, like born again, daredevil sort of reboot, like a harder reboot of the, the character. And, and honestly, like probably more interesting because those, you know, just the sense of like time has passed him by and to see like all these living people who are so old and that could be him. And like that would probably have opened up a lot of more just sort of, you know, deeper stuff, you know, <laughs> but then obviously, so I don't know, or maybe that's, you know, maybe that's why somebody pulled the plug on it, or maybe they were saying there's too much old people standing around talking about, you know, the past, their, their glory days. Yeah, and we want it. We want to, you know, we need to see Bat Rock and, you know, Mr. Hyde and every issue like doing stuff. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'd be curious to know, like, just the sort of what the, or I don't know, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe Byrne was just, you know, he 
was like you said ramping up the fantastic four and you know winding down x-men and you know it sounded like he was constantly pissing someone off you know <laughs> so by his nature so you know it's only a matter i don't know i'll have to some i'll have to screw up my courage and ask roger when i see him like about it i've thought about it a couple of times over the years just like hey what the heck was the story there but you know i don't know he's very diplomatic about stuff so maybe you wouldn't but as an editor you would probably look at it that way if they came in just uh, to play a game like as an editor you'd be like i would rather see you guys start here and sort of instead of just rolling with what was set up earlier sort of have a hard reboot with that kind of talent would you have like sat them down and like really talked about how we gonna re you know make you know i guess put a stamp on this book or yeah right i mean i would think that's the way to go i mean that would be the way because you could still even then recycle all the stuff that happens before it like you know once you've kind of dealt with you know, the invaders, you've dealt maybe with Red Skull's return, whatever. And then it's like, okay, well, now I need to kind of move forward. So I'm going to go back to New York and see what I can do to, like, make myself living in the 80s or whatever, as it, whatever time period it was sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it just is a cohesive. Because, I mean, even thinking in the way I always thought of Vertigo, like the collection, right? So then the collection is, like, the two Baron Bloods, the big anniversary, and then a three-part skull one you know invader skull like kind of reboot and it's like so by the end of volume one of captain america you know reborn it's like you've got you know you've got a nice like essentially like what five six seven issue trade and then you've got everything reset and then you could go back to you know well how does this guy deal with like his life in like 1980s new york sort of thing you know living in brooklyn heights and in an amazing apartment a, yeah it's even <laughs> this amazing halfway through this there's a they must have had to fill some pages because there's all these pages of a like the tour of his apartment in brooklyn heights and like architectural <laughs> drawing of it and stuff like that and, you know it's just like oh my god that's great my very first apartment in new york city was in brooklyn heights there's a 335 square foot apartment. <laughs> it was on the fifth floor, walk up, of course, and it was like right under the Brooklyn Bridge. So it's like you can basically the same neighborhood he's living in. And it was, um, it was great. Like you'd have to turn on. It was one of those things where there was a light that you'd have to turn on at the bottom of the staircase, and it would be on a timer. Like it would light up with the very top of the fifth floor kind of thing and sort of dimly light this hallway. And if you didn't make it to the top by the time the timer went out, like you'd be in pitch black, right? And uh, I can tell you there was at least one night when I might have been like deep in my cups and didn't get, I made it to like the third floor and I just like, you know, like the light went out and I was just like sat there for, I don't know, God knows how, until it was probably, you know, like essentially I fell asleep like on the, <laughs> you know, or passed out is probably more accurate on the landing of like the third floor and like the super found me the next morning and he was just like, hey, I think, you you know, you didn't make quite make it up the staircase. And I was like, it's five floors. But he'd say, yeah, the apartment was 335 square feet. It had one of those bathrooms where like, the shower was the bathroom. Oh, geez, so like, yeah. you, you know, you close the door to the bathroom to like turn on the shower and then everything in the bathroom would get wet, you know, like the toilet, the sink, everything, you know, that sort of stuff. And to wrap this up, I wanted to talk about the one issue, Captain America for president. So mm-hmm. in 
sort of prepping for this, I just like people are like, oh, this is a great issue. It was an interesting issue in Captain America. And, you know, uh, reading the letter page, Roger Stern talks about there was an idea of uh, having Cap become president and then everything would come out of, you know, but they nixed it because it was too far removed from reality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really funny knowing that, like, in D.C., decades later, Lex Luthor becomes president. Um, yeah, well, actually, which is a lot closer to reality now. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how prescient of <laughs> But I don't know. What did you think about that, reading that, you know, now reading that? I, I was like, eh, okay. You know, it, 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 I, I, it's not... It, I, I, I don't know. It wasn't that... It, I mean... And I wasn't expecting, I didn't, it wasn't like, oh, there wasn't enough punches or there wasn't a big bat or whatever. I had no problem sitting down and actually reading text Mm -hmm. about the living legend of Captain America, man out of time, thinking about becoming president. And I feel that, I mean, I know it's a comic book, but personally, I would have said we need they should have dug de- deeper. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I felt that mm-hmm. I thought I felt they just missed it, and I understand the ending, and I see that would probably would have been the outcome, but there should have been something more. But maybe I don't know. It, it is only a Marvel comic in 1980, so mm-hmm. maybe I'm asking for too much. You know? <laughs> yeah, but again, it's like it sort of feels like I don't know. I think they were working so hard to just pack every issue with stuff but it's like it could be a whole cool interesting storyline you know like that's mm-hmm. the thing and I, I, they, I'm sure they just didn't think in those terms you know it, just in terms of like I'm so set to think in terms of like what's the next trade what's the next arc look like you know and that kind of thing Yeah. so again it's like you know you could re you could reshuffle the deck on this so you know you've got the barren blood you've got the origin reboot you've got the stuff where you skull then he comes back to America. He's trying to do this thing. And then there's a whole storyline where, like, does he run for president? Do they really want him to run for president? Does he, you know, sort of understand? Like, yeah, it's like to introduce that whole concept and then wrap it all up in the same issue. Yeah. It's kind of like, it just feels like a missed opportunity. But at the same time, it's like, it doesn't, I mean, the whole issue is just talking heads, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some kind of quickie action sequence, like, right in the first couple of pages, and then after that, it's all just, like, talking heads, and it's sort of, like, I, you know, I can see people just grinding their teeth, like, you know, what what is this? Like, why do we, you know, like, why why did I spend my, you know, whatever the cents. price was at this point, you know, still 65 cents or whatever? Uh, actually, I think it was 50. Yeah, it's only 50, you're right. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just a different... It's funny to think it's just a different... It's such a different approach in that respect, you know? Mm-hmm. But, man, you got your money's worth on 50 cents, let me tell you. Yeah. Just, I mean, this would take you 20 minutes to read it, you know? <laughs> At and, least. And, and my feeling towards this is that, going back to what I originally said of, like, trying to force Captain America into the Marvel way of storytelling of, you know... it being a superhero makes your life more difficult than it does. You know, it's not, does it, you know, looking at Spider-Man or the X-Men. Yeah. Something. I think this could have been a leap off. Once again, they probably were rushing, you know, just to get these books out of thinking in modern times, this could have been the leap off where it wouldn't feel forced of giving Captain America some more Marvel, you know, um, empathy you know marvel mm-hmm. approach mm-hmm. that this would have been the thing that 
being Captain America doesn't make your life easier. This it actually right. becomes more difficult because now people are looking at you as a leader mm-hmm. and maybe the opportunity you have of turning the country into the dream that you want to support. You know, he talks, you know, the overall is that I'm, I, I re- resemble the dream, represent the dream of America, not the actual boots on the ground and mm-hmm. the sausage making that makes America work, you mm-hmm. know, and, and function sort of, you know, so, I mean, we're, this is 1980, so we're talking Reagan. So, yeah. um, it just feels like this would have been instead of giving him the girlfriend and the the cast of characters that might, you know, if they open the door at the wrong moment, discover that he's Captain America and having bills to pay and a job to pursue. This feels like it could have been the challenge to Steve Rogers. Right. Right. Know? Yeah. And, no, it's a good. That's a great point. Hmm. You know, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's. I mean, it's it says something that you can go back and read it, and it's not strictly for nostalgia. Mm-hmm. you know, sort of purposes that there is a lot of, I mean, that's the thing that always strikes me about all these old comics. And it's just like the ideas, like they're just so full of ideas, you know? And I think that and whether they're good ideas or bad ideas or goofy ideas or whatever, like I do like kind of envy the sense that they can be just trying so many things and packing so much stuff in and, you know, getting all this, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe today's comics do the same thing, but um, it's harder for me to sort of, you know, step back from them and just read them, you know, nowadays because of like my work and being involved with so many of the creators and you start thinking about work stuff when you're reading them, you know, like this is just strictly puts me in a different mindset, you know, and even if it feels clunky with like, it's so, there's so much writing and there's so much stuff and, it's still like I'm always impressed by, you know, I mean, obviously like Kirby and, you know, all the stuff he was doing. But even the stuff he did at DC, it was just like, man, every issue yeah. was just like, holy crap. Like the ideas, the guy, I mean, his brain, you know, all these guys' brains must have just been functioning at this crazy level. And it's like, I wonder if it's a product of there weren't so many distractions or there weren't so many, like, there's just, it just feels like there's an imagination factor that, I feel is often missing in today's comics, you know, like things, which, which sounds dumb because it's all kind of coming from the same place. Mm-hmm. It didn't sound dumb, but you know what I'm saying? It just seems like, like these, they, they just see, it feels so much more unfettered, you know, in terms of just like, you know, maybe it was just because it was lower stakes or lower cost, or you could just go and do kind of fun, crazy stuff. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe, but maybe they felt the same way that people today feel about it at the time. I, mean, I guess it always it's easier to sort of look back on these things with like rosy colored glasses. I wasn't like in those offices taking the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. You know, so <laughs> just gotta get the damn thing out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I know what that feels like. So you know, but yeah, man, I don't know. It's fun to like go back and look at this stuff and sort of see like it's it simultaneously for me like less impactful in some levels but also like there's so much more going on that i remember going on so it's kind of fun to go back and just sort of you know see how much they were packing into every 50 cent issue yeah they were i mean it's loaded it's loaded and i think there's a positive to it and a negative to it Mm -hmm. um and i just this is a crazy idea and uh, we're you know trying but 40 years ago they were much closer to kirby 
they were much mm -hmm. closer to right, these guys right, that we, right, you know, right. um, Kirby was alive. You could right. call him up, and and Stan was alive, and Steve Ditko, all these guys that we talk about, the the House of Ideas, they were living and breathing and still doing their stuff. So their influence maybe wasn't as removed as it is today. But, you know, the art forms changed. I mean, we, we were sort of whining about there's so many words to read. You know, you don't mm -hmm. get that nowadays. But maybe those words actually are, that's, you know, I'll have to maybe sit down and read a couple issues again and see what is the new idea? What is all these ideas that we're talking about? Is it coming from the text that Stern's putting down? Mm -hmm. Or is it coming from the images? Or is it 50-50, you know, and stuff like that? But, you know, mm -hmm. the art form has evolved and, and stuff like that. And I, I don't think not being 30 years closer to Jack Kirby keeps anybody from being creative with wild ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Warren Ellen talks about that all the time or used to talk about, you know, the wild ideas mm -hmm. of, of, you know, of his comics and stuff and that comics is capable of is a medium that really can dive into that so. yeah yeah no and it's yeah it's kind of unique in that respect you know that you can really just let it all hang out like all mm -hmm. all over the place you know but yeah well but that was a fun trip down memory lane so yeah. we'll yeah. have to uh you know thank you for, for reading <laughs> Right. I hope exactly. I didn't ruin all your, your memories of the John Byrne, Roger Stern run. No, <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible for that to happen. I'm, 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 you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. So, Will, I hope you have a great week. And, you too. You and too. Uh, thank you for jumping on board and, like, revisiting Captain America. So. Always. Yeah, thank you for giving me an outlet for this side of my personality that I keep hidden from most people. So I will, I will be talking to you later.